You are listening to episode 110 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we pop off in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week, Ryan and I decided to play some Balloon Fight on the NES. Um, dude, I thought it was pretty fun. I kind of wish you were here to play it with me. Dude, I love Balloon Fight. I actually have like some history with playing Balloon Fight like a ton in the past. Oh, so that's why you were so much better than me on those like round one and round two when we were playing. You're <laughs> just it, like, oh, I got like 60-something thousand on my first try. Hey, I got 80,000 on my... Like you beat me after... I don't know how many times I had to play it, and you finally ended up beating me. Um, I, I couldn't do the trip one, though. We'll get into it more the, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into it a little bit more later. Uh, but this week, yeah, we've got a pretty cool lineup of stuff going on. We had the Game Awards that occurred the other day. Uh, the Game so Awards, gonna, the Last of Us Awards show. The, that's really what it was, the Last of Us Awards shows. So uh, we'll go into that a little bit. We'll discuss some of the trailers, who won each specific award. And then we'll kind of go into our top games of 2020 that Ryan and I played um, either together or separately, however that looks. And um, let's go ahead and open it up as we usually do, man, with our recent pickups. I see you have Nada on your yeah, list. This has been a really rough month. I've been going through a lot of stuff. Uh, starting a new job next week. So hopefully once I'm in the new job, everything kind of settled down and I can get back to, you know, doing things that I actually like to do for once. <laughs> so uh, definitely uh, I I'm not going to beat Persona. Like I've officially resigned. Like last week, I thought there was still a glimmer of hope. I was like, okay, next week, every day, playing Persona all day. And this week I was like, all day not playing any video games ever again <laughs> so uh if you guys recall i'm a failure. our punishment our punishment <laughs> that we have for this ryan has to play one hour of the blues clues game on playstation one i welcome it this is going to be the greatest we haven't had a punishment yet so I this would be awesome i mean we played mrs spider's tea party a long time ago and that was kind of our punishment for yeah. whatever reason that we kind of punished ourselves with. But yeah, this is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait to see your agony as you play this game. So once we are <sighs> able to record in person, oh, it's going to happen. I can't wait. Well, this And I still hilarious. have to beat Persona before I can even start my next year's game. I've been really thinking about next year's game and what Being I need like a, to pick that I can actually maybe, beat. Maybe like a three-hour game, something you can handle pretty quick. I will dominate that Blue's Clues game dominated you will <laughs> he's gonna like it so much he'll be like this is my 2021 the challenge year. 2021 blues clues yeah so uh of course you can catch last week's episode uh which was actually dungeons and dragons so it was a couple weeks ago we mentioned a punishment um you can find that one on spotify podcast addict apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are found and of course social media you can find all of our updates on there uh, via facebook and instagram at the game deflators and twitter at game deflators because they don't like the so uh, catch it on there. Uh, dude, for me, I had a pickup at least. So I ended up grabbing uh, Maneater finally. It finally came in a mail, really. I bought it several weeks ago. So I'm going to be stoked to play that one. I think you wanted to play that, didn't you? I think so. As well. 
Yeah, so maybe that could be your game next year. It's a quick RPG shark type thing where you transform your shark and level them up. I think you would. I think you would like it. Yeah, so I think I grabbed that, that one was like kind of on my radar, and I saw some good reviews for it. Like people really seem to enjoy it, and I've always liked those like eating fish and getting bigger as a fish type of games. Those are always like fun little time wasters, and that seems like it's got like enough like little customizable RPG decision things in it that it's like, okay, cool. You could probably get like a little bit out of this. Yeah, it definitely looked like a game that was appealing to me. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a pretty cool concept. Like when it first came out, I was like, yeah, this is weird. And then it just kind of grew on me after watching trailers and gameplay and everything else. I was like, all right, it's like $12. I might as well pick it up. I think it came out at like 30. That's a good deal. So it's not, e yeah. So it was a good deal to begin with on a game. Um, given, you know, today's standard price point. Uh, and then I didn't have any other pickups. I've been like super mulling it over on whether or not I want to pick up um, Ori, Will of the Wisps, and The Blind Forest. They have a combo right now on Best Buy where if you buy one of them, you get the other one for 20 bucks when they're normally both 40 So it's weird. Like if you put it in your cart, on, it has to be online. So if you put it in your cart, it'll combine the two games into a $60, you know, price point. So I've been like, it's in my cart. I've gone through as far as like putting in my address. I'm like, I don't know if I want to buy this right now. Cause you know, it could be, you know, 20 bucks off in the next like several months anyway. So like why buy it now when I'm not going to play it for several months. I'm surprised but, you don't already own the first one. <clears throat> it was never out on Nintendo switch. <clears throat> oh, yeah. As far as I remember. Yeah. So it is on a Nintendo switch uh, as a physical copy. Hopefully I need to double check on that. Make sure it's actually a cart and not just a code in a case. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it looks like a beautiful Metroidvania and I've been wanting to play that for so long, but yeah, I don't know. I, I might just hold off a little bit. Um, uh, and then what else was I getting? Oh, and I'm on the search for near automata, the, um, game of the year version. It's been sold out everywhere and I can't find it for under 30 bucks now. Like I missed out when it was like $15 for all the uh, retailers during black Friday, everybody was sold out of it. So pissed. So I'm just kind of waiting on that one at this point. Yeah, I'm so. waiting for you to get that one so I can play it too. Well, I have the first Nier. You have a PS3, right? Yeah, but I'm not interested in the first Nier. I mean, they're doing a reboot of it or a remake of it, version like 1.2 blank blank blah blah blah, whatever they just announced at the Game Awards. Oh, is that what that is? It's a yeah. reboot of the first Nier? Oh, mm -hmm. son of a bitch. There goes the value of my copy of Nier on PS3. Well, so it'll that... always be janky and old and you can, you know, people still appreciate yeah. it somewhat. Well, the problem is I have like 50% of a game already complete, so I'm not going to like restart it on a reboot. Mm. So I'll just kind of catch back up on the story, see where I'm at, like I've done with all RPGs in the past that I've failed to complete right away. And, There's actually uh, a really good video uh, Super Bunny Hop did on Nier and kind of doing like a recap of the whole game and talking about it to set people up so they don't actually have to play it so they can just jump right into Automata. Yeah, but I like Nier. That's the thing. I don't Nier, I don't remember why I stopped playing it back then. I think I just got like super busy with schoolwork at the time because I started playing it in college. So it shows you how long it's been since I actually played it. And uh, I got like 50% through and then something occurred, I guess, like major schoolwork, maybe finals or something kind of hammered me down. And then I just probably picked up a new game and put Nier aside and never got back to it. So, you know what, Ryan? Years ago, I used to be you. That's what it was. I used to pick up my games, play them for a little bit, drop them, get them five years later, finish them up, 
And that's that's how I've always well not how I've always been. That's how it used to be. And then speaking of games I'm playing, uh, we ended up so we beat Super Mario sixty four, my wife and I, and that was her game that she Did you get all the stars to play. No, hell no, that's, no way. I'm not gonna mess with that because I think to get all the stars you gotta get like all the coins too, right? In like one run. I don't know. I don't. I don't know, man. That was. I, I had played Mario sixty four years ago. Didn't like it. Didn't like a Visco around either. I'm pretty much set in stone that this is one of the worst entries in the entire Mario franchise. It's just not that good of a game. Like it's, it's repetitive. Like super repetitive. Well, well, most Mario games are, but this is like every level is at least one collect a coin. Every level is a transcend to the top of the level and get the star. There's, you know, it like, wouldn't it's be so bad same... if it didn't have that like pull you out of the map every time you get a star and then you got to go back in thing. Yeah, there's that. Pe- well, I mean, that's kind of how it is. Of like, well, no, Odyssey's not like that. Uh, they fixed super it Mario in Sun- later games. Yeah, well, Super Mario Sunshine was very much like that and repetitive as well. But those are, like I said, man, those are games that are pure-blown, nostalgia-driven. Like, the camera work on both those games is... Mario Sunshine's a little better, but 64 is absolutely horrendous with the controls and the camera and everything else. It's not that great. And it's... I can appreciate it, like I said last time we talked about this, but it's just not the best of Mario games. And it does not deserve every bit of recognition that it gets. Like... Some, yes, but not like being the greatest Mario game of all time. Definitely not like Mario 2. Yeah, right? (laughs) Not like Mario 2. Everybody loves Mario 2. Some people, that is their favorite, actually. I know. We've talked about this. That's why I brought the joke up. It's a bit, John. Well, not everybody listening right now has heard the prior episodes. Well, if you haven't heard the prior episodes, you should go back and listen to them. Because they're all fantastic. So, uh, yeah. So, that was her decision on what game to play back then. We knocked that one out pretty quick, actually, within like a week. And now we are playing the Tomb Raider reboot from, uh, I guess it was released in like 2013. And then they released a definitive edition in uh, 2014, I want to say, or 2015. I don't remember when exactly, but it's on PS4. So we've been playing that. And dude, it's phenomenal. I absolutely love this game. It's so good. I'm shocked that I didn't start it till now. So we're going to play that. She'll have her next game. And then. The next game I decide on is going to be that, the the next reboot game. It's so good. So I am truly enjoying the adventure of Laura Croft, and uh, the storyline so far has been pretty good. The um, the controls, the uh, the graphics, the camera work, like, it's phenomenal. It's like playing, you know how you always say, like, male Laura Croft for Nathan Drake? Well, this is basically uncharted now but laura croft so it's it's awesome what they've done like i i really do like it i've never so. played a tomb raider game really yeah nope. you know i hadn't really played i played like one back when i was like 10 or 12 I, I don't remember exactly but i played number one when it came out uh and i didn't really enjoy it too much when i was playing it back then it just wasn't my type of game obviously as i've gotten older i've transitioned into different you know styles of gameplay that i like and that type of game is is awesome like i like that style of gameplay And what's cool is that it's actually my wife's first ever third-person shooter. So seeing her get... Yeah, she's never played a third-person shooter before. So it's interesting to see, like, she's not much of a shooter-type game player. So if I threw a first-person shooter at her, she'd be pretty pissed off. But surprisingly, she's taken well to the third-person shooter, like, camera work. And being able to control the guns and everything else. Like, she's still getting used to it, but it's nothing outside the ordinary for somebody that's never played them. And the amount of headshots that she's getting with a handgun... And the bow is absolutely insane. Like, I'm actually kind of shocked 
that she's picked it up so quickly. Because it's afraid. normally not. What's that? <laughs> it said and afraid. She's too and accurate. Afraid, She'll yeah. take you out. Yeah, she is pretty accurate. It's pretty crazy. Like I'm, you know, I've been playing these types of games for years. So for me, it's like headshot, headshot, headshot. No big deal. But she's coming through and doing some crazy headshots with the bow and the pistol and everything else, and it's actually pretty insane. So we're both enjoying it. We both like the story. We both like every component of it so far. And, Isn't that the uh, one where like she has like really, really brutal death animations? Oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like there's a few instances where you're falling, uh, or not falling, but you're sliding in certain areas, and like you'll get impaled by a pipe right up the skull like it's insane oh. uh she there's a few instances where she's been crushed by an enemy and they just crush her skull and you don't see it like explode or anything but it's not mortal like, combat but it's still like... no it, it's still pretty brutal like when it first happened i was like holy shit like that's really happening right now so it's it's pretty insane um but yeah we like it dude so if at any point you want to borrow that one i think it's maybe uh i think it's like 12 hours or so to beat maybe 15 uh we're about oh, midway that'll take through me years only... john we're like midway through and we've only played like three <laughs> sessions of it. It's so good. Like you won't be able to put it down. And uh, I was actually a church of game grinder. I, I had gotten a comment from him on one of our posts that we made recently on Instagram. And he's like, Oh yeah. He's like the whole franchise is awesome, which is crazy. Cause like I had heard mixed reviews on the most recent one that came out. But when I looked at the reviews, like, you know, from critics and users, it's like 85% plus. So it's not bad by all means. But we'll uh, we'll get back into Tomb Raider here in a bit. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and... Uh, do you have trivia for me this week? I don't know if you prepared one or not. Oh. No, I did trivia no. last time, didn't I? No, I think I did trivia last time. I don't know. It's been like two weeks since we did trivia. Here, we'll pick I'll trivia look up, up again. I can look up a trivia oh. real quick. Okay. Well, while you look up a trivia really quick, I will go ahead and start our section here. I don't think you put a specific article, did you, for this week? No, you did not. So uh, we're just going to quickly go through the uh, 2020 uh, Game of the Year Awards. So really via the Game Awards 2020. And we're going to discuss the trailers uh, that were at the Game Awards. And then we'll also go into uh, the overall awards and who won. We're not going to go into everything like, you know, every single nominee and everything. Oh, but here's we'll, one. We'll say like, okay, go on. What popular dining franchise is the founder of Atari also responsible for? I thought I gave you that one. Did you? Yeah, and you know what's funny is I don't remember a, what it is. <laughs> a popular dining franchise. Uh, I don't remember, but I, I know when you say the answer, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. So what's the answer on that one? Chuck E. Cheese. That's right. Yeah, we, we mentioned that one. Uh, that was on several weeks this ago. This is we like all one. the questions. This is the website you've been getting all your questions for. This is hey, last week's. Hey, don't, what position don't look did the at creator it. of Game Boy have at Nintendo? Who released he was the first a flight simulator? The first flight simulator? Microsoft. Yeah, this is where you've been getting all your questions. Hey, stop looking at my sheet. <laughs> <laughs> all right, pull one from there. I don't know all of them. Uh, in Minecraft, what is a group of Endermen called? What? I'm not 10. <laughs> uh, what is a group of Endermen called? Uh, Ender Pack. No, a haunting of Endermen. Haunting of Endermen. <laughs> all right. Okay, so a group of Endermen's a haunting, apparently. Uh, good to know for all of you Minecraft fans out there. All right, let's get into the awards, dude. So uh, 
I'm just gonna, you know what, I'll start from the bottom up on this list I'm looking at, and we'll just kind of go from there, because I think it starts with, like, the ones nobody cares about. Well, first off, what to... were your impressions overall of the Game Awards this year? Uh, I thought I felt it was rigged. I mean, you know, in the sense that awards are being bought. That's kind of how I see it at this point, because there's a lot of games in there that, while, yeah, they were super popular, it's kind of like... Think about the Oscars, for example, which could be rigged as well, for all we know. But usually it's, you could tell, like if somebody had a really good performance, it could be from the most unknown movie you've ever heard of. And that person wins like best actor, or it might be like best cinematography from some random, you know, movie or best picture goes to, it doesn't always go to the most popular movie. And typically what ends up happening is it's a film that was very low budget uh, or of budget, but just not widely released or widely acclaimed, it wins the Oscar and then it's re-released in the theaters. Like, that's usually what you see. The Game Awards takes on, like, a totally different approach where it seems like it's more whichever game had the most sales or whichever game had the most gameplay or something like that. It doesn't really go too in-depth on exactly why they won that award. <clears throat> so, you know, a lot of people already know this by now, but with Last of Us 2 winning Game of the Year... Everybody kind of saw this from the very get-go. There's more games that were deserving of that award. And for some reason, Last of Us 2 ended up winning. And it, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that it's Last of Us. And, you know, there, it was just controversial and everything else. Like, that's... I, I just don't understand, like, why that game won when there's other games that could have been more deserving. So... I, I thought it was I, that's kind of inevitable. It. But, I mean, I, I thought the Game Awards were okay. It's weird because... I mean, usually it is just like, you know, a bunch of trailers and then, you know, some awards kind of sprinkled in. But like this year, because there's no audience, like it just seemed like it was really just like back to back trailers with just like a little break here and a little break there. It was kind of like a weird pace that I wasn't really expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but like I, I it just seemed it seemed odd for for like i feel like i've seen press conferences at like e3 and stuff where there was like more engagement and less just back-to-back -back trailers than this was yeah and i mean i can i can understand that just given the setting right now and how everything is going uh, with rising cases and whatnot across the globe um especially you know here in the u.s we've got all that going too so uh, i mean it is what it is i mean 2020 is just kind of a washout right like you would hope the 2021 vaccine and everything in place and then we're able to kind of get back to that normal um, or whatever that new normal might be. And, you know, whether it's a limited audience in the future or it's a large audience, however that may be, I think 2021 will be more of like what you were used to. And it might seem a little more exciting. Like, it's just odd. Like for us, you know, we're going to be watching it, you know, via TV or uh, via computer anyways. But there's still kind of that like excitement that comes from watching people in the crowd and cheering and all of that that goes with it and that's exactly. kind of missing you know like so i i get it uh but yeah so let's look at uh, the first one is gonna be content creator of the year uh that one goes to uh valkyrie i have no idea um, who she is but good job to her good job uh you might know this one best esports athlete it's a uh, heo shoemaker or shoemaker sue shoemaker um, no I, I yeah this is the oh, thing that i didn't legal. like yeah. yeah, well, it's League of, League of Legends. I mean, that's why I thought you might know. No, uh, I follow best... Dota, and there's no Dota. Like, Dota's like the biggest esport. Why is there no Dota in any of these esport things? 
Who knows, man? Uh, best esports coach. Uh, I didn't even know they had coaches, but uh, Danny Zonic Sorensen. Um, so that's why I started with these. Uh, best esports event, League of Legends World Championship 2020. So Dota's not even mentioned, actually, within the uh, the nominees for this. Well, they canceled the TI for this year, so that makes sense. So, yeah, and then best esports game went to League of Legends as well. See, Dota's not even on there. No. Well, no, in the uh, nominees, uh, you got a Dota team. Uh, best esports team, you got G2 Esports and League of Legends. And uh, Dota, you had Team Secret, was actually uh, nominated. nominated. Uh, best esports host, you have, uh, I guess, Eve J. I don't even know how to pronounce his name, uh, Deportier, so I'm guessing French. Uh, and that's the best esports host. And here's where we start getting into the bigger games. Uh, we've got Best Game Direction, Last of Us Part 2. I mean, seriously, I just don't understand. Like, best game direction. I mean, I guess it, it depends on what it entails. But if you're looking at, you know, I can see where a game like this, the direction in which it went, where you had like the split, you know, scenarios where you had Ellie and then you had, um, was it Allie? I, I forget the Abby? damn name. Abby. So you, that's how bad I am with remembering stuff, dude. So. You had that like split type of game, and I, I kind of get it. Like that's the direction I went, and it just for me it, it wasn't. It was cool to see that, but I think a game like you know even Final Fantasy VII's remake, you know, probably would have been more deserving of something like that. Like I just don't get it. Like this seriously feels like it was bought. Like for them to win as many awards as they have, well, so I, I don't know. There was a really Stop good going. article that I, I mentioned earlier, uh, Ian Walker of Kotaku, uh, games made under crunch conditions don't deserve best direction awards. Cause, and he kind of summarizes in the article that like, you know, it's up to the director to keep everything in line and keep the project rolling forward. So it's really a failure of leadership when it comes down to crunch. Like when it's like, okay, everybody, no more weekends. You're working all the time now. Like, that's not the people who are doing the work's fault. That's the people who are in charge's fault. So you shouldn't... I, I agree with him. Like, if you're making everybody suffer and you're being, like, a real shithead studio, like, how do you deserve to be nominated for Best Direction? And I'm not saying that yeah. all these other companies or all these other studios for these other nominees didn't have any of that. Like, we all know that Crunch is, like, a big pervasive problem, but recognizing it as a problem in the industry and moving forward through it is important to do and at some point we'll decide to do it but not this year yeah and, and so the, the award itself the way it's not or not nominated but word worded geez man too much award and worded here it's awarded for outstanding creative vision and innovation in game direction and design so i mean yeah you got your game direction you got your overall design um you know, it's Last of Us Part Two. I don't think was deserving of something like that. I think it could have gone up to a Ghost of Tsushima, or it could have gone to a Final Fantasy VII, like that. You know, and then your point as well. If there's crunch time and there's a lack of leadership, you have Square Enix, who's what has it been like twelve years since they said, "Hey, we're looking at Final Fantasy VII to be made." Right. I mean, I don't, I haven't heard anything about like crunch time for them, but you're right. There's probably crunch time that happens within every company, uh, but Naughty Dog was, you know more thrown out there with their uh their issues of uh you know crunching and you know that lack of leadership so yeah it's just interesting how how it's all working out 
Uh, the next one was innovation in accessibility. <clears throat> so you know what? I should probably just look at the definitions of these. I overall. think that's for like uh, settings and stuff for differently abled players. Okay, well, you, uh, yeah, that would make sense. And if there is something specific to that, then, okay, I got the definitions here. But yeah, if there's something specific to that The Last of Us was able to accomplish that the other games were not, then like kudos to Naughty Dog for being able to, to do that, right? Um, that in itself, you know, despite anything that you might see coming from that company with crunch time or, you know, storyline or whatever may have uh, been an issue for most people, if you're out there and you're looking towards, or not looking towards, but looking out for those that may be challenged to try and play these games and you're making that accessible, I totally understand that being a cool award to get. But let's, uh, oh man, it's like all over the place on this list. So we'll go into the next one here. Um, best, best community debut support. game. Well, I'm just going to put in best. Yeah, there's best community support, but I'm just going to, if you look at um, the game awards, like actual list versus this one, it actually gives you a definition for each. So I'll just keep going through this. So best debut game. Uh, so this is for best debut game created by a new independent studio. And uh, this one itself, let me put my cookies on because it wouldn't let me scroll through. Uh, this one went to uh, Phasmophobia, which I looked I have up no a idea trailer for that, that today because I had no idea what it was. Uh, it looks like it's some game where you're like a ghost hunter, like you're in a house mm -hmm. and you've got like a little thing and you're shining your flashlight around. I mean, it looks <clears throat> cool from the trailer I saw, but I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you have content creator of the year. So this is for a streamer or content creator who has made an important and positive impact on the community in 2020. We already did uh, this one. This... No, we didn't. Not content. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. I was thinking something else. Well, that's the definition for it. Uh, best multiplayer game. For outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences, uh, irrespective of game genre or platform, that went to Among Us, which that took the world by storm pretty quick with that studio. I think they said it's like three, three I want to say it's three guys heading up that studio and now a fourth, if I'm correct. It's so super old small game. Studio. It's not a new game. Why is it winning Doesn't awards? It I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's at the end of I mean, the day, congrats best to them, for, but like, best it's multiplayer not a new for game. the year. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a new game. It's the best multiplayer for the year. Call of Duty Warzone's been out for, has that been out in just 2020 or did it come out 2019? Oh, uh, yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe it came in 2020. I don't no, know. that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I could get behind that kind of yeah. I mean, it's not Besides, like any it, of like the best esports are all like, like League of Legends is not a 2020 game. No, it definitely isn't. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, next one was uh, best sports and racing game. Oh, uh, Mario Kart so... 64. <laughs> Come on. It doesn't have to be a 2020 game. It's just the best. Me. The best racing just game. Just the best. Well, you know what? It went to Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2, which is kind of, you know, just a reboot. Yeah, so. but I mean... <sighs> I still haven't played that, but who doesn't love Tony Hawk? I mean, like, oh, yeah, exactly. all the rest of this stuff, don't care. Look, like, it people wasn't, get into their wasn't, FIFA and their NBA, but, like, F1 yeah. 2020? Who gives a shit about F1 cars? Look, it wasn't Madden. It wasn't F1. It wasn't FIFA. It wasn't NBA. It was Tony Hawk. So, Go like, Hawk. I'll take it. Like, come on. All right, next one is uh, Best Sim Slash Strategy. 
So uh, this is the best game focused on real-time or turn-based simulation or strategy gameplay irrespective of platform. And this one went to Microsoft Simulator. Which... Flight Simulator. Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yeah. Dude, I'm tired. <laughs> it's too early in the damn morning. Yeah, uh, I've heard you good know... things about Gears Tactics. Uh, people yeah. love uh, Crusader Kings, at least some people that I listen to. Uh, yeah, but Microsoft but, you know, Flight Simulator is supposed to just be gorgeous to look at and participate. Yeah, I've in. heard a, I've heard a lot of good things about that game or simulator, and uh, it's pretty true, uh, you know, to actual life from what I've been told. Like, it's very close uh, in terms of like the overall everything. <laughs> like, it's just uh, who was it, Joseph, that we know. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a game that he would probably want to play, being a pilot. Oh yeah, you know, and yeah. So, uh, next one, best family game. So, for best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of platform, uh, that one, of course, was won by Animal Crossing Yay. New Horizons. That did not surprise me. Uh, why Crash Bandicoot was on there surprises me, because that's a game where you want to break your controller. Um, I'm surprised Minecraft that Dungeons... the Mario Kart live home circuit thing made this list. Like, that seems like a stretch. I mean, I don't think it's a stretch. I mean, that's a game where you got to get with the family if, you know, you have a family and you're doing it and putting together a course that you all like and sitting yeah, back on the couch Yeah, but you only have one car. Yeah, but you can buy two tracks and have two cars. Well, then you need two switches. Well, if you're rich enough to afford two circuits, you can afford two switches, I guess. Well, I know, but, like, for, like, best family, like, it just, there's so much extra involved in doing all that that it just seems like... I, I don't know. It, it pulls away from like the when I think of like a family game, it's something easy to sit down that anybody can just get involved with. But that's like, I mean, even if you had like all the stuff, like, do you really sit around with your family and play with RC cars? Well, you're not. You're playing on Nintendo Switch. And dude, you'd be surprised by how many people like each kid owns like a Nintendo Switch in a family. No kids winning that game. <laughs> yeah, same here. You know, I get to enjoy all the games myself. But yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many like Facebook groups I'm on and see how much on Twitter where it's like, oh yeah, each of my kids has a Nintendo Switch Lite. Like, I'm like, okay, so you have four kids, you're buying four Switches, like four copies of each game. That's got to yeah, be insane. You go insane. to Costco, you get a bundle pack. <clears throat> they, don't, they don't have bundle packs any cheaper than normal places no i know but i, I just always have this like joke about costco <laughs> like you go there and get like a three pack of tvs and a four pack of toasters gotcha so you probably get a pallet of nintendo switches exactly that's where all the uh yeah that's where all the scalpers are going uh so best fighting game is the next one we know what fighting games are uh that one went to mortal kombat 11 ultimate happy to see mortal kombat winning over street fighter <clears throat> all those uh, street fighter fans out there are gonna be pissed at that statement uh next one was best role-playing game if final fantasy 7 didn't win this game i would be absolutely shocked uh so and why yakuza like a dragon is on here when it like literally just came out it's like what the hell like it hasn't had enough time in the market to really you know show its thing yeah i don't know so. what like the cutoff is for some of this stuff i guess it's similar to like movie awards like as long as you get it within a certain period of time like you're fine but it's just odd because like yakuza like a dragon came out what last month something like, like that these, it's very recent yeah some of these games yeah it's so weird like some of these games when they come out a month before i guess because like 
the people that are doing these awards, I want to say like people that vote on it are in the industry, I believe. Yeah. So if they're industry members, they're getting access to these games well in advance, most likely. So they're able to do a proper review and everything and just vote on it. But it just seems really odd. Like the game hasn't been out that long, but I guess it does make sense. If it came out in November, you're going to vote on it in 2020. You're not going to put it as a game of the year in, you know, 2021 because it wouldn't be appropriate at that point. So, yeah, I understand, but come on. I mean, it doesn't uh, matter. Like, nothing was going <laughs> to beat Final Fantasy VII Remake for RPG of the Year. No, definitely not. Like, no way. Uh, best action-adventure game. The fact that Assassin's Creed Valhalla did not win it is, hap- is you know, good for me. But Last of Us Part Two winning this? I mean, come on. Like, for best action-adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. So... You know, I get the combat component, but there wasn't a whole lot of depth in that game for combat. And the puzzle solving, it was pretty linear, the overall game itself. Now, you know, a game like Ghost of Tsushima didn't really have puzzle solving, but I think the overall expanse of that game compared to A Last of Us 2 and the depth of combat that came with that game, that's definitely a, an award Ghost of Tsushima should have won. If not, you know, something like Miles Morales Spider-Man. Like, Last of Us 2 just had a lot of recycled content for that, which is really frustrating. Like, I liked the game. It wasn't a bad game by all means, but I don't think it was deserving of some of these titles. Uh, the next one we had was Best Action Game, and that actually went to Hades. I Is that a is that a Metroidvania? I'm not sure. I haven't really looked into it. Hades is like a, a roguelike. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Hades is um, going to be the game that I'm going to lose hundreds of hours to next year once i finally beat persona like i swear to god i want to play hades so bad but i just know that if i do like i might as well have bought hades for all the not playing persona that i've already done anyways yeah i should probably look at so i actually know a voice actor that was part of this game uh because i've seen multiple posts of hers over the last you know several months and whatnot leading up to the awards and I don't know. I think we should look into this, see if maybe we can get her on one of these days. Just kind of ask her about all that. How, you know, the process. So that might be an idea. Um, innovation and accessibility. Uh, so this was recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. So that was the one that... Um, we were kind of questioning why Last of Us 2 won that award. But that makes sense when you hear that definition. Okay. The next one was Best VR and AR. So this was for the best game experience playable virtual or augmented reality irrespective of platform. Uh, surprise, surprise, Half-Life Alex. Incredible. So, Half-Life Alex was so interesting and fun and really like showed me and everybody like, okay, this is how you VR. I've heard really good things about Star Wars Squadrons, though. I would be interested to play that as well. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been able to play any VR games at this point, but I've heard a lot of good things about, like, Dreams as well, so I wonder if that would have been, like, a runner-up in that situation just because of the the concept that they have in place with Media Molecule. Um, but, yeah, very deserving, I guess. Half-Life Phallix, you enjoyed it, right? So, you know, I think out of the two of us, you're the one that did play it. Uh, best community support. So recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness, inclusive social media activity, and game update patches. Uh, that one went to Fallout Guys. So, Fall Guys? Or Fall Guys. Fall Guys, sorry. Fallout Guys. Fallout Guys. Fallout it's, uh, guys. Jesus. Their new. <laughs> yeah, their new. It's up. Game Post apocalyptic. Destroyed. Yeah. It's going to suck. 
post-apocalyptic uh, ultimate knockout game with nuclear weapons. Can you and imagine all the like... Bethesda bugs you can want? Yeah, all of them. That's how you die. Like, who can survive the Bethesda bugs? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm actually surprised that No Man's Sky didn't take this one, but I think it won last year, if I'm correct. So, all right. Uh, best mobile game, Among Us. Like, we kind of knew that was going to happen. As long as Fortnite doesn't get awards, I think it's a good situation in 2020. Yeah, did like, Fortnite win anything? I don't think it did, which, if it didn't, then cool. Like, that's how you close the 2020 on the right way. Uh, so, best indie for outstanding creative and technical achievement in a game made outside the traditional publisher system. Uh, that went to Hades as well. So, there's a lot of good games on there that I've been interested in looking at. So Spirit Fair is a game that I've seen a few things on. Uh, Splunky 2, I haven't seen much outside like some Facebook ads. Uh, Fall Guys, or otherwise known on the Game Deflators podcast as Fallout Guys with Fallout guys. Uh, bugs. Uh, and then Carry On uh, looked pretty cool as well. When I saw, Isn't Carry On the one where it's like a reverse horror game? Yeah, like you're you like some part of blobby monster. monster trying to kill your way through, like, getting out of a f- facility you're locked yeah. in or something. Yeah, that was a pretty cool list of games. Like, I um, I think that was a good list for indie games. In- Dude, indie games have been, like, phenomenal in 2020 and, like, just recent years. Like, we've talked about that a few times, and I'm so excited for, like, where we are of indie games. They're so good. Like, we're not having to rely on, like, AAA games to get the most out of the gaming experience on our consoles. Like, there's so many other games we could play nowadays. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Uh, best ongoing. So, this is awarded to game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience over time. Please, please, no Fortnite. Please, no Fortnite. No Man's Sky. So, Fortnite was nominated in that uh, award in particular. But, happy to see a game like No Man's Sky, which is like, thrown under the bus so long ago and just kind of rose out of the ashes to be like this great experience now they've come a long so way i uh, i never messed with no man's sky i would like to mm-hmm. uh i know Same that here there's been so many updates and changes and stuff that like people have like gotten their money's worth gone back and then gotten their money's worth again so i mean if i do ever get around to playing it you know i'm sure there will just be so much stuff to do and it'll seem like an absolutely masterful game through all the hard work they've put in over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a game I definitely want to get into as well and just never have, you know. But it, it looks phenomenal, for sure. Who's and has got I know, time uh, for just... unbeatable games? Yeah, that's kind of the issue, right? Like, I, I want to put my time towards more games and beating more on what's on my shelf versus playing the same game for so many years. I, you know, You know how it is, man. I just I want to experience more than just, like, one game. And that's not to say that people are playing um, No Man's Sky, you know, can't play other games. But if you're dedicating that much time, you're not really putting forth the time for other types of titles. You'll never meet your potential. Never. Okay, so games for impact. So for thought-provoking game with uh, pro-social meaning or message. Uh, So you have If Found uh, was one of them. Uh, Spirit Fair was another one. But the winner was Tell Me Why. And didn't we see a trailer for this back in uh i guess it was was it e3 they i don't know i don't remember ever hearing about tell me why i've heard of spirit fair kentucky route zero and if found but tell me why and through the darkest of times i've never really heard of i don't think i want to say i saw tell me why oh you know what it was during the xbox um the xbox play thing that they did when they were revealing all the trailers hmm 
It was during that. So yeah, I specifically I specifically remember that game. It didn't look interesting to me. So it's probably not up my alley. Uh, best performance awarded to an individual for voiceover, acting, motion, or performance capture. I was kind of disappointed on this. So as you know, I, I did vote uh, as well for ones that I felt that I could vote on as a fan. And this one went to Laura Bailey as Abby in Last of Us 2. And I actually voted for Ashley Johnson for her role as Ellie in that one because I just felt it was a lot better. Uh, but I'm a huge Laura Bailey fan. I just don't – I didn't like that character, and I, I didn't think it was her best performance by mm -hmm. all means. <clears throat> I felt that that definitely could have gone to Ashley. Uh, well, but I mean, sometimes, way, you know, playing a character that you don't like is a better performance than a character you do just because, like, it, I've always thought, you know, if somebody can really make you, like, want to hate them – like, that's good acting. Well, it wasn't that I hated Abby, because I actually, I think I kind of preferred playing as Abby over Ellie for a lot of the game. I, it was more of, I just didn't think that that was a fantastic performance. I just mm. thought Ellie was a better a better character overall. And um, I think the voice acting was a little better as well on that. But yeah, it, it is what it is. I, I like both of them as voice actors. And yeah, I it didn't matter. Like one of them was going to win. Like it's last of us part two. Like it seems to win everything. Yeah. Uh, best audio design. So this is recognizing best in-game audio and sound design. So yeah, doom eternal, which is what I voted for. Uh, Half-life Alex, ghost of Tsushima, resident evil three. And then of course, last was part two, won that one. Um, you know, again, it's winning everything. It seems on here. Uh, and I don't know if there's other, I think there's other game awards as well. Um, that are given out during the year. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody else awards it with more stuff. Uh, best score and music. On this one, we had Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Hades, Ori, and then Last of Us Part Two. And the winner of that one was Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's actually the one I voted on, uh, only because I like that, the music that has come from those games over the years. Yeah, I know that... Uh... You know, especially like metalheads and stuff, everybody gets super into Doom for its music and its sound. And man, I can't wait to play those games. I still haven't played either of the the new Dooms. Those are mm -hmm. some things that I definitely want to try to knock out next year. Yeah, and in uh, best art direction, it's a lot of the same nominees, but that one was won by Ghost of Tsushima. So awesome! I totally agree with that one, and that's the one I voted on as well uh, for that one. Uh, best narrative. So this was for outstanding storytelling and narrative development of a game. And surprise, surprise, Last of Us Part Two won that one. You know, honestly, when I look at that one, I could probably go with Last of Us Part Two on that just because while you may not have been a fan of the story, the story was developed in such a way that it was a true narrative. Something like Tsushima did kind of miss out. And I think I mentioned that when I reviewed that after beating it, Tsushima kind of missed out. It was split up a little bit. There was too much going on in terms of being able to go all around the map. And while things did tie in, the story just didn't seem as put together as something like the last was part two. While last was part two could be a bit predictable. What isn't predictable nowadays. So that one, I do kind of think it was deserving of. Yeah. I don't know what 13 Sentinels is. But, like, Final Fantasy VII Remake, like, it's only the first part of the story, you know? Ghost of Tsushima, I mean, lots of different side quests and stuff, but, like, you were saying, you know, like, the main quest 
itself, would you consider that to be just the narrative or would you count like everything involved? Well, there's multiple side quests that you kind of have to complete for it to be part of the narrative. And a lot of it does tie in together uh, towards the end, maybe not a direct correlation. So it's set up in such a way that if you do it, it expands your knowledge of the story and what's going on in the world and the islands of Tsushima. But if you don't do some of those side quests, it really doesn't matter. Like it's not going to ruin the overall narrative. And the thing is the narrative itself wasn't as clean as it could have been compared to a last of us part two. So I can totally see why it didn't win in that scenario. Um, the next one we have here is of course game of year. And as we said, uh, last of us part two won that one as well. And you know, I just, I don't think it was deserving of it. And I do have to question why certain games like animal crossing, new horizon was on there. Um, Hades was on there. Sushima was obviously on there. Doom Eternal was on there, and then you had uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake on there as well. So, if you think about, like, were those truly the best games I think Animal Crossing was on there just because, like, I mean, with COVID and everything, Nintendo Animal phone. Crossing gave everybody a place that they could just, like, go, chill, try to recoup, try to get away from everything. Plus, it sold, like, gangbusters. So, that was, you know, maybe not the best reasons to be nominated for Game of the Year, but... It made it. People love Hades. People love Hades to death. Like, I'm happy to see that on there. Ghost of Tsushima and Final Fantasy both seem like, you know, they definitely deserved a place on this list. And Doom Eternal, I mean, I don't know. I've heard a lot of good things about Doom Eternal. Yeah, I it's definitely have too. Played, but, but like, is that a game of the year thing? Just because it's like super badass, awesome, like. Is being super badass awesome all that it takes to be game of the year? I mean, obviously, it didn't win, so it must take something a little bit more than that. But, like, the criteria for game of the year, like, it doesn't really have to be any one particular thing that sets it up. But, like, you know, you made the comparison to, like, movie awards and stuff, and it's, like, The Last of Us Part Two was, like, the most obvious choice that I saw, you know, going into this. And I think a lot of people really were like, okay, I, I don't get why people are surprised that the last of us two part two won. Like it just seemed yeah. inevitable. Well, and the way it's defined for them as well is recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. And so like, if it's all creative and technical fields, then for sure a game like Ghost of Tsushima in that case should be a either a close second or winner in this scenario. Um, I didn't experience any technical glitches in that game. Well, uh, and they came out with like some really badass DLC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you have like the multiplayer phenomenal. online. Uh, and then the overall creative direction on that game was phenomenal. You know, it's just it was an overall beautiful game, and I think that the experience on that I had a much better experience playing Ghost of Tsushima than I did Last of Us Part Two. And I, you know, at the end of the day, like, yeah, Last of Us Part Two won in a critics-based type of award. But when you look at the overall People's Award, so they had the People's Voice Award, that was actually won by Ghost of Tsushima. So at the end of the day, they're both, you know, maybe on equal playing fields. From a industry perspective, Last of Us Part Two may have been the winner in that case. But from a overall fan perspective, it seems that Tsushima was the, the game of the year choice. So... 
that is uh, the Game Awards of 2020. So uh, there's lots of trailers as well to that, uh, just given how much time we spent on that. Uh, I'll go really quick into some of the trailers that went on there. We won't necessarily need to go into which ones we like the most, but you had trailers for Loop Hero, Sea of Solitude, um, Shady Part of Me is listed on here, Near Replicant um, is on this list. You have Century, Age of Ashes, uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Sephiroth's announcement, which is actually pretty badass. That was such a cool uh, trailer. So hype. Yeah, it was. I'm not uh, going to buy him, but <laughs> so hype. <laughs> I don't even own it, so whatever. Uh, Perfect Dark Reboot. Uh, you have Back for Blood, which was a spiritual successor to... Left for um, Dead. Left for Dead, yeah. And then you've got the Callisto Project, which is a spiritual successor to Dead Space. That'll be fun. Uh, open Road. Yeah, Open Roads looks more like a narrative-type game. That was shown. Uh, Dragon Age had a trailer as well, so the next Dragon Age uh, official trailer. Uh, Endless Dungeon uh, was on there. I think I've seen some trailers in it before. I didn't watch this one, um, but I'll have to check that one out later. Uh, you had Crimson Desert was on there. Uh, Season was another game that they showed. Arc 2, which I want to say had Vin Diesel. Correct? Yeah, <laughs> Vin Diesel presents yeah. Arc 2. You know, it makes me wonder if they start going in with more like movie stars and stuff for these games. Of course, it's going to increase the price of games and their need to make more money. It's so, really not, though. <laughs> you don't think so? No, they're billionaires. They don't need to raise no. the price of games. Well, I mean, I don't think uh, what's his face. Um, Kojima's a billionaire and he had Norman Reedus on his. Well, no, I Although know. He... But like the studio or the producers production company oh i gotcha i gotcha well who knows okay so fist was the other one so it's uh with dots in between every letter that i haven't looked at but seeing a bunny in an aviation type outfit it looks like i i need to see that uh odyssey elite dangerous i had never heard of that one so i need to look into that uh you had the evil dead trailer just came out so yeah i, I gotta definitely check that out uh returnal had a new trailer that came out I'm Outsiders. excited for Returnal. I think that that'll be fun, and I enjoy the name, even though people gave it shit when it was announced. I'm still giving it shit, and I'm going to wait till it's a bargain bin game. Um, Outriders Mantra of Survival. That was one. Uh, this one I really liked. It takes two. It's like a yeah, that looks good. Platform. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It's like a two-person platform that you could play together. So, Ryan, we will play our love story game. <laughs> uh, Elder Scrolls Online Gates of Oblivion was shown. Monster Hunter Rise. Yes, that's going to be so good. Yep. Ruined King, uh, a League of Legends story was shown. You had the Mass Effect uh, will continue trailer, so uh, Mass Effect. And I think that was it. Oh, there was the uh, Master Chief reveal and the Blood Gulch reveal and stuff for Fortnite. And then really awkwardly at the end, just like, oh, also Daryl and Michonne. It's like, why would you wait and show those after, like, all the Halo stuff? Like, start off with the who cares about Left or Walking Dead stuff and then go into the uh, the Halo stuff. Exactly. Oh, and then you had Flight Simulator uh, is going to be on consoles now. So, Well, not consoles, but it'll be on uh, Xbox for sure. So that was noted. Uh, and then let's see. Oh, there's a few more here. So we have uh, We Are OFK, which is like that was a, a virtual band. pop yeah, it's like some virtual pop group thing, and you're supposed to have, like, it's an interactive series, apparently. That's kind of interesting. Um, open Roads I mentioned, and I think, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, all those Xbox fans over the last week that have been making fun of PlayStation fans for Kratos being in 
um, in Fortnite. Yeah, that sucks for them now. I don't really care either way, but I still can't believe what they did to Kratos. Like with the the cat paws and everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's horrible. Have you seen those videos yet? No. I'll have to share them with you. Kratos has fallen from his glory. <laughs> for sure. Like it's, they're so flipping funny, dude. But okay, so that's the trailers that we had for the year. And then, uh, dude, I thought it would be a pretty cool idea for us to just kind of go through like our top three games of the year. And uh, for anybody listening, this is really uh, the way we're looking at this is the games that we played throughout 2020 that we enjoyed. So there's no limit. It could honestly be a game like Mario Kart 64, since Ryan seems to love bringing that one up in this uh, day and age. Uh, It could be really anything that we played in 2020 that we truly enjoyed and made our list of game of the year for us personally. So, Ryan, I'll start this one out. Uh, My three games that I played happen to all be on PlayStation 4, which is surprising because I don't think it's been like that in prior years. So I chose Ghost of Tsushima, which I truly enjoyed. I think I gave it either 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 this year. Um, That was a great game. And then Plague Tale was kind of my dark horse. I'd been wanting to play that game since last year. Finally jumped in and played it, and it did not disappoint. It was just an aesthetically beautiful game. Had a great story tied to it. Decent combat. uh, Some good stealth type of gameplay. And I thought it was good. I really did enjoy it. Um, I already went to Ghost of Tsushima, so I'm not going to go too deep on that with my experience. And then the next one that I've got on here is what I'm currently playing. So that's going to be the Tomb Raider reboot. Uh, I didn't think this game, when I started the year, would be one that I played. And yet, I've like blazed through with my wife in the last three days. We've played almost half the game, and we're definitely enjoying it. It's a fun experience so far. It's lining it up to where I want to play the rest of them. I've never really thought I would enjoy the Lara Croft experience as much, and I definitely have. So if you haven't played that game, it's like 15 20 bucks. I want to say. For the definitive edition version on PS4, it's totally worth a pickup. So, definitely a good game. But that's uh, that's my top three, dude. I'm sure uh, when we start getting into like our top inflation, deflation games of the year in a, a coming up episode, uh, I'll have some even more thoughts on our games of the year. I might change a few things. We'll see. <laughs> well, my top three games of the year, believe it or not, I only own one of, obviously. Because I don't buy games. Yeah. Who buys games on a podcast where we like to talk about games we've recently picked up and games we're currently well, dude, playing? I don't do either of those things. But I do have a top three. How it obviously works is you uh, you get my games. That's that's what you do. You just go to my house and pull it off the shelf. This is John and the guy riding his coattails. That's so, not true. Go on. <laughs> I, uh, I also picked Ghosts of Tsushima. I, I really enjoyed my time with Ghosts of Tsushima. It... Looking back at it, maybe I didn't sound like I was like super positive on it, but I did have a really good time. It was the first time in a long time that I'd played like, you know, one of those open world bunch of map marker type games like, you know, has really been everywhere this generation. And I thought Ghost of Tsushima had like a lot of good stuff to offer. I would like to get back into that game next year at some point, hopefully. Uh, well, you still have my copy. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that on my list for this year too. I think that they did a really good job. Uh, next up, Animal Crossing: New Horizons. I spent a ton of time on my little island, and I can't wait to get started on some Christmas stuff here soon. I haven't 
been to my island and seen it all snowing. I don't think I've actually picked it up since Halloween because I didn't do Turkey Day at all. Um, so we'll see what Animal Crossing has to offer next year. I'm looking forward to the future of that. And then Half-Life Alex was really like, I mean, I'd never really done VR until this year. And going over to my friend's house and being able to see like what that was all about, like totally made me like, oh my God, this is the future. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. They did such a good job. Like everything, everything that people talks about with Half-Life Alex, totally true, takes the cake. Like it's unlike anything else that you're going to like get into out there, like as far as like really stepping up, like it's hard to find a game that like really steps up and is like, okay, this is different. This is new. And like having that new benchmark that, you know, I mean, you've been talking shit about Mario 64 for a while now, but like that new, like, this is the benchmark. This is like where we're going to go from here kind of game. I think Alex will go down in history as being very well remembered. Once enough people you know, play it. <laughs> I'm actually a little shocked that you don't have Bloodborne on your list for this year. Because uh, you actually... Didn't you beat that game? Or, oh, no, you didn't beat it, did you? No, I got close. Uh, Bloodborne okay. was a ton of fun. Um, I I kind of thought about putting it on here. I also played Dark Souls 3 for a while. That was fun. But I think those are just... I don't know. There's something about those Souls games that, like, you know, I like to get into and do some of the challenge to get through it. But, like, there's just not enough compelling for me to say that it's, like, in my top. Like, it's fun to do, and I want to experience those type of games and play them. But, like, once I play them for a little while, like, I don't feel compelled to go back and, and finish them at all. Like, if I never play Dark Souls 3 again... That'll be fine because I'm sure I'll play Elden Ring when that comes out and I'll play, you know, whatever else they're going to make. I'd like to play uh, Jedi Fallen Order. That's like a Souls-like too. But it's like, yeah, that's it's a game more I just play for too. that loop. I enjoy the loop, but the rest of the game around it, I mean, Bloodborne is very exceptional. Like the world is really cool, but I don't know. Well, yeah, Fallen Order is definitely a game that I want to play as well at some point. Um I do you know if they've had DLC for that game? I don't. To, I'll have to check because if there's like some sort of game of the year edition out there, I'll, I'll have to pick that up. You know how I am, man. Like I'm, I'd rather wait for a game of the year edition with a bunch of DLC than have to buy the DLC separate. Because you're That's never just, gonna. No, because I'm never gonna buy the DLC separate. Like if it's incorporated into the game, I'll definitely do it. Like when I bought um, Horizon Zero Dawn and the Frozen Wilds and all that came on there. It was a fantastic set of DLC, but I would have never bought that on my own. Mm-hmm. So the fact that it's forced in there through a nice definitive edition is always nice. Um, okay, so let's jump into our inflation deflation of the week. And uh, this, I think, is going to have a, a good running for one of my top games this year that we played together. <laughs> so we played Balloon Fight on the NES. It was uh, developed by Nintendo, and you had R&D 1. Yeah, there. that's okay. like their sub-studio research and development one. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, published by Nintendo and then designed by Yoshio Sakamoto. And it was released in June of 1986. And That's it is the an NES, game. or the US NES version release date. Gotcha. I always uh, put the release so, date for whatever version we actually ended up playing. Yeah, well, I mean, I played it on my NES Classic, 
So I don't know if that changes anything, but um, I enjoyed it on there. Uh, so we'll go really quick uh, on this. Or not really, really quick, but uh, our scores. So on the, there's multiple game styles that you have in here. You have one player mode, which is like a standard arcade mode. Two player mode, which we didn't get to play because we're not playing together right now. But I would imagine that's probably more or less a battle between the two of us or trying, you know, with every enemy on screen and trying to, you know, gather as many points. I'm not sure. We'll have to try that out again when we're in person. Um, and this is a game that I honestly hadn't played before. So I'm kind of shocked I hadn't. And uh, within the arcade, and then you had the, um, the trip which uh, the trip for the balloon was you started on a platform and then you just kind of progressed your way through like lightning sparks and trying to capture balloons it's flappy bird ass. to accumulate points. Yeah. And it was actually pretty challenging. Um, so I having never played this game. I far in that. <laughs> I got, on my first try, I got ranked 27. My second try, I accidentally hit a bolt too quick. And then I came back to it and I got ranked 24 on my third try. So I couldn't get past like was... 33. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, it it got increasingly hard. I think what it was is as you're progressing through the trip mode, you get to a point where it's like so repetitive that you're just trying to not screw up. Like it's it's easy to get through like the first 20 ranks or 15 ranks, whatever it may be. But once you start getting into that high 20, mid 20 range, you're just like, holy crap, like I'm still pressing the same button and trying to weave in and out of lightning bolts. So <clears throat> that was interesting. And then on a high score perspective for Arcade, I ended up with 83,250. That was in my third try. I got <clears throat> 89,450 on my second try. Yeah. Which so isn't I really definitely... that far. Like, I think it's only like seven or eight stages in. Like, yeah, it's, I wasn't it's trying it super hard. I you, So you'd never played Balloon Fight. Mm -mm. No, I'd never played it before. When I Always was in like middle school there was like a flash game version of balloon fight where you had like you could get all these different like uh just like aesthetic differences like different hats and different bodies and different balloons and stuff and customize your character and it had like an online mode where you could like play with other people and like online leaderboards and i don't know what happened but for some reason i got like super sucked into that for a while and i played a bunch of it when i was younger like i was on there like every day playing it and i had like the most like anime ass looking balloon guy <laughs> it was it was some weird thing and then i also played a bunch of it on the um the mini console the console that you could get in animal crossing like in the old animal crossing they had like these NESs that you could get that actually ha you could play the game on. So I played a bunch of Balloon Fight on that, too. So I've got some yeah, I mean, history with Balloon Fight. Not crazy history or any records or even, like, really... I don't know how far I've ever gotten or what my highest score would have been. But it is a game, now that I've played it again for the first time in a long time, I think it's a game that I'll try to keep around and try to go at every so often and just kind of keep it in my life because there's just something about it that i enjoy for some reason yeah it's definitely a fun game i mean i i definitely enjoyed it with the little time i played and you know for anybody out there that is new or you know just as a reminder here is i started playing games with super nintendo so a lot of those nes games when i was growing up i never played so nowadays i do play some nes games and i'll jump into them every now and then but still kind of my go-to is super nintendo 
And that's usually what I'll jump into when I want to play some sort of retro game. Mm -hmm. So playing a game like Balloon Fight here for the first time isn't shocking to me, but at the same time, it kind of is because it is a good game. Like, I, I definitely enjoyed my time playing. And uh, whenever, maybe next week, we can start recording in person again. Um, we'll have to play that one together and just see how we both do against each other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, should be fun. Uh, all right, so Brass Tax here, and I'm actually kind of shocked uh, by the price. I need to see if I own the game now because of this. But uh, the most expensive version of Balloon Fight is going to be a complete in-box version of Balloon Flight. And uh, that is on, it looks like the Game & Watch. Yeah, and there's nine... two different Game & Watches. There's the yeah. BF803 and the BF107. The 803 is the expensive-ass one. I mean, they're both expensive. And it's but... sitting... Yeah, and it's sitting at nine hundred sixty-six dollars and thirty-three cents. So that's, that's nuts. Yeah, the loose price on that is still four thirty-nine twenty-four too. Oh God! Uh, so the cheapest version of this game is going to be your loose Famicom cart, and that's four dollars and fifty-eight cents American or U.S. And then you've got a uh, complete in box one hundred twenty-five dollars right now, peaked at two hundred in June of twenty fourteen, uh, and that's trending downwards. And then overall, you've got a loose copy is going to probably floats you about 2248 that peaked at 2714 and that was august of 2015 and that one is trending up so dude right now you can get a loose copy at 2248 you can i'm not sure if they still have them but the nes classics for a while there were like 50 bucks on uh, nintendo's website refurbished so you had the option to get it there as well but they may be sold out now at if you're if you're somebody getting into nes collecting or just wanting to play NES games that are enjoyable and fun. What is your opinion on 2248? I think as far as collecting goes, um, you know, that's that's what we're here to talk about and if you've got a hole to fill in your collection, I feel like 2248 isn't really that bad. Like there's a lot of games out there that are going to be a lot more expensive. I mean, you're you're talking about like a pretty quality game, but obviously, you know, it's not like a big time game that you're really going to put tons and tons and tons of time into unless you're just like addicted or going for a score or something. So your mileage will probably vary on how much you're actually going to play it. But I don't think that 2248 is too expensive for for this for a collector. Now, if you're just somebody out there and you've got 22 bucks, spend it on something else. You can play this game for free on the internet. There's no need to have to buy this game unless you are trying to be a collector. I mean, if I have an NES and I just got one for like Christmas time or something because uh, it was purchased for me, I think this is a game that I would add to a small collection or available games to play because you do have that two-player uh, component in it as well. So... You know, if you got a friend coming over, I, I think you're going to get a lot more mileage out of this game with a friend playing in a two-player type of scenario than you would with, like, Duck Hunt in its two-player mode mm -hmm. or some sort of, like, fighting game. I, I definitely think that this right here is a game that I would play with a friend and I would keep playing it with them uh, whenever they'd come over. I think it's that good. So, you know, if I found it for 20 bucks, that'd be awesome. I'm not going to say it's inflated or deflated. I'm going to say it's probably just right at that $22 price point. Uh, given, you know, the age of the game and the fact that uh, it's it's a good one. It's not bad. 
and it's at a pretty affordable price. Like if we got this, if this was sitting at like thirty bucks for a loose copy, I'd probably be questioning it. But I think at twenty two forty eight, that's not bad. Yeah, and it's most an approachable price. Into, yeah, and most shops you run into are either going to sell this for twenty five bucks or twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fine. I think that's a good price point. Um, yeah. So just I think this right. is a good one. Yeah, it's just right. So I think this is definitely a good one. It'll be most likely be on my list for a. It'll be a contender at least in our top five inflation deflation games of the year. Gosh. So we'll have dude that. I mean, if you think about it, we play like at least forty games a year, like together. Like that's kind of insane. Mm-hmm. I know Wolf Child's on top of my list. Wolf Child. That one actually. That one actually came back and beat. Um. Well, man, definitely a fun episode. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll have um, we got to decide on a game. We'll figure that out. For recording remotely, it'll probably be NES or SNES or maybe PlayStation if you can get your classic up and running. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but if we play in person, we'll figure that out. Maybe we'll play a Wii game or something. Oh, we could, we so. should do something on the from the PS Plus list, maybe. Uh, that's going to require me to get PlayStation Plus again. But yeah, we could probably do that. Oh, you don't have it anymore? No, I got rid of that a while back. Mm. Yeah, I haven't been playing online games, so it was just for free games that I wasn't playing. Yeah, same here. And and the PlayStation <laughs> Plus games coming out weren't weren't good. really appealing to me. Yeah, they they really I either owned them or I didn't have any desire to play them. Like Fall Guys was one of the games that was on PlayStation Plus, and I missed that one. But what is it like a ten dollar game? I like it's got it on there, and I never started it. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's something I've wanted to play, but I'm not playing it, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it's gonna, it it was. I wouldn't say it's a waste of money, but you know, I can get a code for like thirty bucks. That won't be a big deal if we want to do something like that in the future. But uh, yeah, it's just not. not we'll find something. Out. Yeah. Uh, well, that being said, uh, this has been episode one ten of this podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan.